0: What's up, guys? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. Your host, Jake Burns. This is your Tuesday, November 22nd episode. And we are digging into the film of the Browns' 31-23 loss to the Bills. And listen, there's there's not a real deep explanation for this game. I'll talk about it in a second. I mean, it comes down to like four possessions on offense. I actually thought the Browns did enough despite the run game issues that are still prevalent week to week. I thought they did enough to win, but um, offensively they they continue to shoot themselves in the foot. So, like, it's clearly an offense that is relatively successful on a play-to-play basis, but their inability to finish drives and make winning plays, which I wrote about on Monday, in key pivotal moments, it's just co- it's cost them. And, and, again, I don't think the offense has been at the heart of – 75% of the losses they've had this year to get to 3 and 7, but there are these games where it it does get magnified. Uh, and it's frustrating because when you look at the stats in this game, you see a lot of opportunity to to win it, right? The Browns had 27 first downs to the Bills 22, 4 of 11 on third down to the Bills 3 of 11, 396 total yards to 357. They ran six more plays. The Browns And the Bills and Browns kind of gained the same average per game, 5.8. The difference in this game really was rushing yard uh, success. The Browns only netted 80 rushing yards, which put them in bad stick situations and caused them to make some, uh, you know, force them to punt the ball and obviously force them into some, uh, you know, difficult down and distance situations that eventually led to problems, right? The Bills rushed for 171. The Browns threw for 316, aided largely, uh, you know, to get to the 316 number by a pretty nice fourth quarter where the Browns threw for about 100 yards. Uh, let me make sure that I have that number exactly correct for you. So in quarter four um, alone, Brissett was 10 of 15 for 121. So not that it was a bad passing game by any stretch, but he took it from around, you know, a 200-yard game up to a, a pretty nice 316 number. The penalties the bills were actually penalized eight times to the Browns six the browns had one true turnover uh the fumble that was was really critical but obviously the browns had two other unlabeled turnovers right a fourth down and stop deep in the bills territory where it was 22 to 10 had a chance to cut it to 22 17 um later on it was 16 10 on the at the time of that fourth down stop then Uh, a a play i posted on my twitter feed which is a harrison bryant uh, drop in the back of the end zone ends up resulting in a field goal try at 22 10 uh, from about i don't know 35 yards out close to that not very far out gets blocked so then the game's kind of over from that point on and and those are not labeled turnovers but those are turnovers those are hidden turnovers within every game the browns only punted three times the bills only punted twice Uh, touchdowns in this one the Browns actually had three to the Bills two but the Bills kicked six field goals the Browns only went one of two and then the time of possession again you know the formulaic stuff wasn't really far off from what I like to see but again they're not capitalizing in these scenarios so you know like I said when you look at the play-by-play and break it down I mean I mean I'm not gonna again I'm not gonna bore you with what coverage they sat in like The Browns were pretty diverse. They played less man in this game defensively, and on the other side, they faced a lot of cover three from the Bills. Bills played a ton of single high, and when they did go too high, the Browns picked on it. Uh, There wasn't a ton of overall blitzing from Cleveland's side. So, again, as far as, like, schematic stuff, I didn't think there was a whole bunch of variation to this thing uh, personally. But, you know, people might have a different opinion on some of the things that are being put out there schematically and whether you like them or not. I didn't – I just didn't – I didn't think it was an overly complicated game plan from either team largely because if you look at it like they didn't have enough time to prepare and there was a whole bunch of weird stuff surrounding this one. So, obviously, it, it leads to a less complex game plan. You know, from, from the Brown side, Jacoby Brissett was only – um he was only blitzed uh, eight times technically nine dropbacks. He was blitzed on the other side for Josh Allen uh, in this one. He was, uh, if we look at their, uh, his passing pressure and depth stuff that pro football focus puts out, the Browns only blitzed him six times. So they were pretty afraid of blitzing and wanted to keep as many bodies at the second level and third levels of the field as they possibly could. So again, pretty baseline stuff from both teams and it was just sort of playing it out and, and, I didn't feel like either quarterback and Brissette and Josh Allen graded out find Brissette more than Josh Allen. But the problem was the Bills dominated the line of scrimmage and it cost them. So the Browns go down, score a touchdown, first drive, overcome a couple really, you know, people talk about, well, the scripted stuff, then they get away from the scripted stuff. If you actually look, the script wasn't very good. The Browns faced third downs of third and 11, third and 11. And then a second and 13, they threw a touchdown after a three-yard loss uh, run. I mean, Nick Chubb ran 14 times for 19 yards. They were not including on that opening drive, a negative four yard rush on second and seven. And again, like I said, a minute ago, a a negative three yard rush on a first and 10. So they overcame some stuff. Bills Browns punt back and forth a little bit. It's uh, at this point after the bills put up a field goal on, on again, another punt return breakdown, which is so infuriating uh, where, where the Browns don't cover the punt well enough. And again, I don't think like Bjorquez has had a really rough go of it punting the last few weeks. I don't. I don't really know why he's not as consistent. I'm sure this is why he's on his third team uh, at this point because he's just not consistent enough. He can really drive the football, but sometimes doesn't give you any hang time, doesn't allow his guys to get downfield. So, you know, like I said, you're seeing why he's on his third team at this point in his career, especially the guy who can who can put off some pretty powerful kicks, but not consistently enough. And only, you know, that punt from Bjorkos was 44 yards, Back to the Bills 40. Punted it from the Browns, snapped it at the 16. He catches it at the Buffalo 40. They return it. Naeem Hines returns it, returns it 28 yards down to the Cleveland 32. That's a huge chance. That's a turnover. I mean, it's essentially an interception type range play. Uh, but they luckily held him to three points. And then it's 7 3. The Bills are sleepwalking through this game. The Browns push the football downfield, turns over to the second quarter. They're on, you know, if you're looking at this, they're on the seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth play of the drive. Ninth play of the drive. They go all the way down the field. They run goal line. It's first and eight goal line, right? They run Wildcat stuff, which is worked. It worked weeks ago. People don't like it because it went for negative six yards. I'm with you, but the problem is that your center and right guard can just can just fail to touch the linebacker running through. It gets blown up. So then you have two plays, second and 14, third and 14 drops. Farrow Brown drops the third down. Touchdown is a great throw from Jacoby Brissett uh, and, and the second down throw was dropped by Harrison Bryant on another great throw from Jacoby Brissett. So you leave points on the board. There should have been two chances to catch touchdowns in the end zone or right at the door of the end zone from Harrison Bryant's throw, but you only get three points. So it's 10, 10 to three bills go three and out. Once again, Browns get it back, March down the field. I mean, they, they get it at their own 10. So they run a couple plays, first down, couple plays, first down on their, they they go three first downs from their 10 out to the Cleveland 46, marching, fumble a snap. It's it's just it, all these fumbled snaps, 95% of them go back to the quarterback. The Browns fumble a snap on a moving lateral run. It gets kicked around. Of course, a Bills player falls on it. That's critical because that was a great drive setup. The Bills get the football back, go down the field. Now, the Browns do, like I said, the defense did a nice job of holding down in the red zone. They get down to the Cleveland 18, they kick a field goal. So it's 10-6. And again, you can feel it. Now there's only 4.54 left, right? So this is the same scenario. They have a really nice drive coming out here at 4.54, pushing it toward the two-minute mark. Except the problem is, second down and first and 10, you run for no gain on the fourth play of the drive. Second and 10, pass incomplete from Brissett, deep left. Third and 10, you get a false start. Some reason they 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 gave Frohold a false start for looking left and then looking under his legs to snap it. He did the exact same thing the next snap, and they didn't call a false stars. Very weird. Nonetheless, third and fifteen, a great throw. I thought a pretty great throw with pressure in his face. But Amari Cooper's foot is just that right foot on the right sideline, about a 25-yard throw downfield. Just barely out of bounds, have to punt it back. Now, at the two minute warning, the Bills get the football back. You talk about the four minutes before half ends, the four minutes coming out. This is where it's unfortunate, right? Bills go down the field, put together a five, six, seven, eight, 9, 10, 11, 12 play drive with a blown coverage in the end zone. All of a sudden, you go into halftime down 13 10, right? You should have been up in this game at around the realm of 21 to, th- to six, something in that line. Your You're, you're, you're go day going down 13 10. Everybody's really frustrated, disheartened. You come out in the second half. You do actually once again hold the Bills to a field goal. Tyler Bass kicks a 56 yarder. So, still, game is in balance 16 10. You go down the field. Browns pick up one, two. Uh, they pick up three first downs uh, on this drive, going all the way down. Again, you're looking at seven eight nine ten 10 plays, 11 plays you know 11 plays down to the buffalo 27 just like the fumble drive just like the drop catches in the end zone these are the things that change it's third and 1 they go no they go no huddle snap it can't pick up the first down quarterback sneak no gain that one was a little more congested the bills it out the second one on fourth and 1 where the browns went tackle over it, it, it there's when I looked at that play pre-snap, there's no way they shouldn't gain that first down with how good they are at sneaking. And it really wasn't even on the center so much as the Bills just crashed so effectively that it took away any of those little penetration lanes from Brissette to go too straight quarterback sneaks and not get it with how successful they've been you're all frustrated we've seen the Browns in those third and ones and fourth and ones hand the football off on a different concept like a gap scheme and it gets blown up in the backfield you'd have people upset if they would have thrown it and they would have been an incomplete pass why didn't you just use the quarterback sneak well they went to their most successful scheme in short yardage two straight times and couldn't get it it's an upfront issue right now. These guys are getting their butt whipped up front, but that's critical. It's 16-10 at that point. You have every chance to go down 17-16, change the momentum, and get it going again. But you can't get those for you can't get that first down after several plays to push yourselves down the field. The Bills get it back. Three plays, three chunk plays, 17-23-13. You get a roughing the passer mixed in there too for an additional 15. Five yard untouched touchdown up the middle. So now it's 22 10. You're fighting yourself out of another hole. The Browns get it back. Guess what they do? They push the football downfield. They do a really nice job. You got to look at it again. How many plays did it take? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Down to the Buffalo 16. Hit a nice screen pass. Hit Joku up the left sideline where he hurdles a player. All of a sudden, it's 22 17. If you just can catch the second down throw in the back of the end zone, Harrison Bryant, sorry, first down throw, he's wide open. For some reason, he drifts and fades backwards on trying to catch the football instead of just jumping straight up and down. It's mind-boggling if you want to watch the clip. It's on my Twitter feed. 2nd and 10, you get a delay a game for no reason. 2nd and 15, you throw a screen that's short. 3rd and 10, incomplete pass rolling out away from pressure that your center misses to pick up. It's fourth and 10. You get a block 34-yard field goal. A blocked 34-yard field goal with no penetration, just an arm up. How, how we can't lift the football on short kicks is mind-boggling. But anyway, Bills get the football back. They take it down 10 plays. Sorry, seven plays, 45 yards, kick another field goal. So at that point, that puts the Bills up 25-10. You're in the fourth quarter, down about the 13-minute mark. Browns come out. They really have to muster something serious on this drive. They don't get it. Third and nine, there's a sack where the two tackles look like they're lock protecting. And the sort stuff from the guards where they, Joe Thomas, did a great job of sorting this, uh, talking about how there's a sort call and a lock call. The tackles lock, but the guards never sort. It's really weird. Two guys off the edges come untouched. It seems like they uh, the Bills knew how the Browns were going to protect it and really manipulated them. They took those two outside edges and crashed brought a D brought a nickel and a linebacker off the edge untouched. Milano sack fourth and 17. You got to punt it away. Again, the bills go down the field, uh, a nine play 54 yard drive. That takes an additional five minutes off the clock on that drive. So you, you know, you get it back down 28, 10, six 45 left couple garbage time. But, but you can see it's just these little moments, these little instances where they cannot finish drives. They cannot make winning football plays to push themselves over the top. They do like, nine out of eight out of ten things right but the two out of ten that they do wrong are absolutely crippling to this team right now and that's why they are in the position they are the run defense sucks it's not going to get better there's you know people are so mad at Stefanski you want to fire him okay do your thing I'm not on that boat I think he needs to get a different voice in the in the coordinator room on defense and probably special teams as well as I've just seen too much ineptitude for too long in that room. But like they the, the winning plays are right there to be made. They're right there to be made. And some of the quotes that you hear quotes from the defense that are super concerning in terms of guys being prepared or emphasis and practice. You don't really hear it with the offense. That unit seems to be cohesive. So the challenge for Kevin is identifying what he needs to do with. With with the defense and the loose set of communication about what the players expect and what the coaches expect and how guys are performing and are guys on the same page is the effort good? There's a lot of that stuff that defense comes out with. Never hear it about the offense. So should Kevin be more involved with the defense? Sure, maybe. You know, does he does he need to hire somebody new? I feel pretty confident that he does need a new voice in the defensive room. I just. I just think that that rushing to fire Kevin Stefanski because you're so mad about some of these little swing plays, I just, I don't know. I I think you're all frustrated and we're all frustrated and we're all trying to find an answer. But I don't think ushering out this coaching staff collectively, pieces of it, yes, but ushering the whole thing out is going to solve this. I really don't. I mean, they're just not making the plays and maybe they make them the rest of the year and maybe it swings and changes on one play in one game and they start to make more of the winning plays and and those those 50-50 situations but I don't know I just some of the tweets I see in the videos and, and the media stuff that is surrounded the local type media that surrounds the Browns it's so it's so draining to hear some of the opinions on this stuff and You know, Ultimately, I get it. It's Kevin's team. He's got to be able to lead both sides of the football. The defense is failing to get it done. The special teams is failing to get it done. And really, sometimes the offense, when they need the biggest plays from that group, they're failing to get it done too. So I get why everybody's frustrated. I just think on the offensive side of the football, they have a good enough group to be a sustained winner. They have to figure out some things defensively. The margin for error is so slim between being five and five and five, seven and you know, six and four or three and seven. And it's it's just it's 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 been a difficult seven weeks where the Browns have lost six of seven. And it's just all very magnified. It's all very magnified and and uh yeah, we'll talk about that more this week. We're gonna take a quick break and then talk about performances on both sides of the football.
1: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
0: Hey guys, it's me, Jake telling you again about the, Fantastic offer coming up from FanDuel, America's number one sports book, which is coming to the Buckeye State at the turn of the year. They're already available. If you go in, sign up, you get $100 in free bets with an early sign-up bonus. Now, again, reminder, you cannot get this offer if you wait around and do it after the turn of the new year when when it's a go-live date for sports betting in Ohio. You have to do it early. You get an early sign-up bonus by using the promo code OBR, very simple, just OBR, Bonuses issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real-money sports wager in Ohio, 1-1 of 2023. Unique user identity verification is required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, so just what you guys are tuned in for, the granular player grades. I know you're super interested in it. Let's cover them as quickly as we can. Guys who performed really well in the Browns' offense in this one, according to the folks at Pro Football Focus and the study I put together. I thought Jacoby Brissett was stellar. He had an 89.7 pass grade, thought that fit. Amari Cooper open all day, creating separation an 87.7 grade from him. Kareem Hunt was fine. Uh, his his run stuff was uh, boosted. He had a couple nice screenplay catches, caught a couple nice balls out of the backfield. He gets an 80, uh, 80.4 grade. And then guys who, Donovan Peoples-Jones, the 74.6. Joel Batonio, really the only offensive lineman I thought put together a decent performance. He gets a 68.8 overall, 81.3 in the pass phase. I've got some concerns O-line-wise about the rest of the year. We'll dig into those. The bottom of the group, James Hudson played 15 snaps, and they were rough, 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 rough. 23 grade, Farrell Brown, 11 snaps at 36.9. Wyatt Teller, Yodi Froholt and uh david bell are sort of at the bottom of the group although i thought bell was was fine overall digging in on quarterback play Brissett 89.76 a whopping six big time throws in this game alone that's that's obviously a career high for him no turnover worthy plays he dealt with two drops uh was sacked one time and did a pretty good job getting out and scrambling for some yards in this one as well when you get into the Nitty-gritty when he was kept clean in this game at a 90.2 passing grade, 20 of 27, 202 a touchdown. Under pressure was 8 of 14 with two touchdowns. Um, A 90 grade when he wasn't blitzed, 22 of 33 for 233. The blitz stuff continues to be a bit of his Achilles heel in terms of decision-making, even though it wasn't bad in this game where he went 6 of 8, 91 yards a touchdown. He took a a sack with an easy answer to his left there late in that fourth-quarter sack where they couldn't afford to take a negative play. So that hurt them. The screen game was really nice in this one. Good to see that bounce back. And and, and that first drive and Joku get popped by Jordan Poyer on that screen, man, if they had, had found a way to get out to Poyer, that was going to be a huge gain. Six of six on the day, though, 57 yards on screens. Play action, they only ran six drop back play actions, three of five for six yards when there was no play action, 25 of 36, 318. So that's very encouraging, three touchdowns. Obviously, non screens, he threw 267, 22 of 35 on those plays. Uh, pretty good overall. Uh, 28 of uh, 41 on the day, 324, three touchdowns. Was really, really strongly graded on the deep throws. 20 plus, he was three of seven for 76 yards of touchdown. Medium throws were his second best, five of nine for 58 and two touchdowns. Short throws, 13 of 15 for 112, and seven of seven behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, baseline stuff so a really nice jacoby percent performance receiving stuff uh, as we talked about amari cooper was really good eight of 13 targets he's putting up on track and we'll see if that continues with watson i don't see why it wouldn't to have one of the better browns receiving seasons in franchise history he's really trending toward a fantastic season 113 yards two touchdowns 12 snaps in the slot which is uh, about what he's averaging 33 out wide He caught two of five contested targets, had a nice back shoulder, and then he obviously had that big touchdown catch on that corner route first drive. Uh, Kareem Hunt caught two of two. He had the second highest receiving grade. He ended up with 22 yards. Donovan Peoples-Jones, five of five, 61 yards, a touchdown, 74.5 receiving grade, 12 in the slot for him, 39 out wide. So you can see how they move their X and Z around to get them different looks. He caught both of his contested catch scenarios. Nick Chubb caught three of three for 48 yards, including a nice run on the first Play of the game, he turned a, a, a swing pass that was a negative throw into a 17-yard gain, so nice to see Nick get a nice roll in that phase. And David Njoku, 2 for 3 for 17 yards, including a long uh, a long gain of 21, but he had that negative catch on the first drive. You could clearly see he's limited. He's not running as well as he normally does. Uh, the ball that was up the right sideline on that play action over at was a hell of a play by Poyer. I didn't think that was a drop. It was just a hell of a play uh, to break that up uh, over the top. Uh, unexpectedly is a lot that, that, that was a lot of what the bills did single high stuff against under center looks crowding the box expecting either Demar hamlin or jordan poyer to play rangy back half and they and they did that pretty well harrison bryant tough he's four of seven for 41 just uh two drops in my opinion they didn't give him a drop on that 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 uh third quarter fade out of the back of the end zone but that's a drop i mean he's got to make that play he's He's really a second, like a, a third tight end, masquerading as a second tight end. A lot of Austin Hooper-type qualities where he just can't really create in space. He's, he's just limited. He's limited, and I think the Browns are going to have to address that position for a more effective second tight end in the offseason. David Bell caught 4-4 for 22 yards. David Bell's fine. He's a catch and thats it guy. He doesn't really create after the catch, so... Uh, I'm interested to see if they find some different ways to use him in the coming weeks with Watson. That's what I'll be paying close attention to, to create some opportunities for him to get deeper distance of target catches. He had 25 slot snaps, which led the team uh, in this one, only eight out wide. He caught two tightly covered throws, contested catches. So, again, some encouraging stuff from Bell. A couple couple first downs. One first down for him, three – sorry, just one for him, three – that was a fourth down uh, catch that Bell caught, really big one in the fourth quarter to keep a drive alive. Bryant had three catches, one for Njoku, uh, two for Chubb, three for Donovan Peoples-Jones, two for Kareem Hunt, and seven catches that went for first downs uh, for Amari Cooper. So that's your receiving metrics. Run great stuff, 14 of 19, Nick Chubb. They gave him a 58.4 run grade. I, I don't really know what he was supposed to do. This was so, so poorly blocked. Now, Kareem got some... Gun runs and a couple creative little looks that get five for 32 and a 6.4 average. I have not seen Nick run for 14 carries for 19 yards in his career. I have to check. That's among the lowest. That's among the lowest I've ever seen him rush for with, at least, I mean, double digit carries too. So we'll just backtrack through all of his seasons. He had a 16 yard game against Baltimore week 12 of 2021, eight attempts, 16 yards. So. Uh, even uh, this game was worse fourteen for nineteen. that's the closest we've seen to it. We can check twenty twenty uh, he had an eleven carries for twenty eight yard game and week sixteen against the Jets that year nineteen he was this you know running a ton in this year. he had a couple forty yard performances but this is that's the most bottled up I've ever seen Nick and I didn't think it was Nick's fault by any stretch of the imagination when you look at the run blocking stuff in this game, it was pretty bleak, man. I mean, the best two grades in run blocking are from Harrison Bryant, Amari Cooper, and then the five Chris Hubbard snaps. Like, your guys who played a ton of run blocking snaps in this one, Teller, Betonio, Wills, Conklin, Froholt. I mean, they're all in the 50s to low 50s. They just got their butt beat up front. The worst marks was a 29.2 in zone blocking from Wyatt Teller. I got to question whether Teller's healthy enough to be playing, because this is not the guy I've seen. I, I just he's getting he's slow out of his stance. His his punch is lacking. He doesn't seem the twitchy player he normally is. I have to think the leg is still bothering him. And it's trickling into some other phases here. Jedrick Will's a forty one point oh. I'm just close to thinking this is who Jed is. Like it's just it's just who Jed is. Like he's just never gonna be a guy who finishes plays. He's never gonna he's never gonna be a a player who puts it all together maybe someday he does but man coaching effort is it's a really hard thing he does a lot of innate stuff really well and he gets by with a significant amount of it but when he needs to do more create more with more effort it's you don't see it you just don't see it very often and that's disheartening for a guy so talented who i think maybe they throw back at right tackle and see if that works for him in the future i'm not sure i'm really not sure and it's a it's a discouraging thing to be three years into his run here as the left tackle and, and trying to find solutions to make him better. Um, he was fine pass blocking wise. The two best pass blocking grades were Jed and Betonio, a 72.5 and 81.3. Jed gave up three pressures and a sack, but was really good in, in, in the rest of those. There was a couple here and there, but I thought he was fine. Betonio gives up nothing. That guy's so stellar, man. Wyatt Teller gives up two hits, a hurry, three total pressures. Yodi Froholt of 46.3. He gives up three total pressures. And all three, Teller, Froholt, Conklin. And then James Hudson has a zero grade in 12 snaps. And in just 12 pass-blocking snaps of 15 for Hudson. He gives up four pressures. And that's a – I can't say I've ever seen a zero grade and it matches up. Like, I he doesn't – he doesn't look ready to come in and play late in games. It was the same thing against the Dolphins last week. It's kind of scary. He just does not look ready to handle that role of coming in late. Looks like he's a starter or nothing type of guy. Uh, Conklin, uh, he, he was, he's getting displaced, getting beat with power and speed right now. Like Jack has, I don't know if he's got a uh, an injury lingering or something, but he is not playing with the usual anchor, the usual effective feet. Moving in zone blocking schemes, he's not playing like himself. He's really not. He's not at all. He gave up three pressures of his own, including three hurries. And I thought Von Miller gave it to him pretty much all day. I mean, I thought Brissett saved a lot of sacks in this game were saved by Brissett. You know that one sack that they put on Jed seems like a miscommunication to me in terms of what the five are doing. But their uh, the pass blocking, I, I guess, was fine. But I thought, again, like I said, Jacoby helped them, stepped up, created, eluded. Yodi Froholt not ready to play center. He struggled all day, and they have to give him more reps. I know they talked about it this week. He's been playing right guard predominantly, obviously stepping in for Teller. But that was tough. It's tough to see, and I'm a little worried about the center position because Pochic is out multiple weeks now, we've heard. Um And I don't I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Drew Forbes gets a look. I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. Michael Dunn out at the worst time for this scenario. So all around, not not exactly what you want to see. We're going to take a quick break and then come back and talk about performances on defense. Well, when you look at the defense, there's stuff that's lingering, right? There's, um, in my opinion, uh, certain positions are impacting other positions. The defensive tackles are so bad, it's changing everything. They're slanting them, they're moving them, and when they're moving them to exchange gaps and give them a chance to shoot a gap to knock somebody down in the backfield, it's creating a ton of upfield rushing lanes. The Browns have their edges crashing all the time now, which is allowing teams, because they're tired of being gashed, Up the middle, it's now allowing teams to perimeter run on them pretty effectively. The run defense is in shambles. They have traditionally wanted to play wide nines and bottle everything up inside, funnel run game, but they can't handle it. These defensive tackles and largely what the linebackers do because of the poor defensive tackles and the little help that they get to have one-on-one or one-on-zero situations it's all trickling down. I mean, you're talking guys who played a significant number of snaps: Taven Bryan, AJ Green, Grant Delpit, JOK, Tony Fields, Deion Jones, Jordan Elliott, Alex Wright, all graded below 50. Ronnie Harrison and Ben Stilley, the 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 newly acquired from Miami Dolphins, the defensive tackle on the practice squad, he's a 52. Denzel Ward's a 52. Togi Eyes a seven, sorry, a 53.4. Your best performers were Miles. Chase Winovich and his nine snaps gets over a 70 grade. Martin Emerson gets a 65.2. Clowney a 62. Four players over 60 grades. That's all you get in this one. It's um, the second straight week that the Browns have now had. As far as I can see, if you look at their team grades, I think this is a really interesting thing to look at across the board. They have had four weeks with under a 30 grade in run defense, 29.9 in week three against the Steelers, against the Falcons, 28.0. Somehow the Chargers game was above a 50. I'm not sure how that works out. Uh, But then down here, Miami and Buffalo both at 30 or below, 28.6 this week, a collective run defense, uh, a collective defense grade of 41.2 as the coverage and pass rush were decent, but that doesn't make up for the tackling, the run defense collectively it's it's a problem it's just a it's a real problem so i mean we can go through and look at both phases like i said josh allen i think it's interesting sometimes to look at the opposing quarterback to see how they performed allen gets a 90.1 grade when he was kept clean 15 of 20 a touchdown when they got some pressure on him his 59.5 pass grade uh in in this one so they when they got pressure on him he struggled When he was blitzed, he was 3-for-5 for for 34 yards, not blitzed, 15-of-22, 163. The Bills spent the first quarter and a half like trying, forcing the throwing. It's hard for them to break who they are. They rely on Josh for almost everything. So they had to think to themselves, oh, okay, what does Cleveland really struggle with? That's right, they struggle with defending the run game. And that's where we saw the Browns have their biggest issues. Run defense grades, the best I mean, Togi, had nine, seven run defense snaps and get to 71.9. I didn't really see anything that stood out, but apparently they thought he did what he was supposed to do. Your worst grades, John Johnson, a 50, uh, including, um, uh, one missed tackle Taven, Bryan a 45.1 Delp at 41.7 JOK, 41.2 Taki, Taki, 40.2 Jordan Elliott, 34.9 was terrible in this game. Tony Fields played 18 snaps at base linebacker for them, 34.6. A.J. Green, 34.6. Alex Wright, who's taken several straight weeks of going in the wrong direction and has just shown an utter lack of physicality, was a 28.9. And again, uh, only four players graded above a 60 in run defense. Winovich a 60.8, but that was just four snaps. Clowney a 61.2 and 19 snaps. And then a cornerback, Martin Emerson, 68.1. It's really bleak. Stop tackle leaders, JOK, fives, Taki Taki, three, Delp at two, Jordan Elliott, two. Missed tackle leaders in this one, Taki Taki missed two tackles. Alex Wright missed one. Tony Fields, AJ Green, Denzel Ward, John Johnson all missed one, according to this metric. Yeah. Um, it's it's bad. I, I really don't think I've seen a worse run defense. Now, I don't scour the league, and I don't look around at other teams' tape all the time, but what they're putting on film run defense-wise, how little everybody overachieves for what they're being asked to do, how washed out of gaps the interior guys are, how the edge guys are trying to do anything they can to change the course of some— It's uh, it's it's terrible. It's terrible— and it doesn't matter if teams do split zone stuff or if they do power, if they do pin pull, it's all there for yards. It's all there. Terrible angles. Guys refuse to fight pressure. The edge guys are so inside conscious now because they're afraid of what they're giving up. I mean, the Bills are a terrible run offense. They're terrible. They go 18 carries for 86 yards and a touchdown for Devin Singletary. 11 carries for 86 yards. For James Cook I mean it was so easy they ran for 171 I again think for the second week in a row they could have run for more uh, I mean uh, I don't know I really maybe the Browns need to try some five down odd front stuff just to just to throw more bodies up front bare front them I don't know what else they can do pass rush stuff I and mean, we can talk about it there weren't many opportunities for pass rush stuff to go crazy Miles gets a sack he gets three total pressures So he was, you know, his usual self, a 90-grade. Winovich in five pass rush snaps gets a 72-grade with two pressures. Clowney with uh, two pressures, 24 pass rush snaps, so he gets the third highest grade. But there really wasn't anything crazy noteworthy the rest of the way. JOK gets a couple pressures, a couple on blitzes. Like I said, Clowney and Winovich each had two. Togiai, Elliott, A.J. Green, Taven Bryan, Ben Stilley, Deion Jones all had one pressure. Uh, as well so you know they're not even really were there were only 12 true pass sets in this game so there there weren't even very many predictable throw situations for them to really get after him. coverage grades talkie talkie, an 81.4 did not allow a catch in his direction martin emerson allowed six for eight for 63 yards the browns did not create a pass breakup in this game uh, they gave up one touchdown, which was accredited to AJ Green, which I believe was right. So that blown coverage, AJ Green was out of position. He traveled with emotion. He should not have traveled with emotion, and it caused chaos. There was no flat. There was no curl flat defender over there, and that's why obviously, uh, you know, Stephon Diggs is wide open in the back of the end zone. Just a blown pre-snap to post-snap thing. And again, AJ Green. Late in the week, taking over at nickel for Greg Newsome, who gets a concussion, and sometimes that's what's going to happen. I mean, it's not like watching this game. The Bills blew a couple coverages too, except for the Browns didn't really expose those blown coverages. So, again, the Browns can't not pay for the mistakes they make. Uh, anyway, not really anything else crazy noteworthy in terms of coverage. I mean, like I said, no real uh, no real broken-up plays, no no noteworthy performances. I thought Denzel was fine. He allowed one catch for 21 yards. Delpit with a really disappointing third and 11 whiff on a uh, a dump off to the tight end that should not have gone for a first down. He's just in space and just misses the tackle and allows him to creep forward for the first down, which is just so disappointing in that scenario because the Browns are trying to get off the field. It led to a field goal, but the coverage was fine. It was, you know, they weren't really challenged because the bills didn't need to. They were playing, by the time they were really doing the things they needed to do, they figured out run game was the answer, and they weren't even on the field for very long at times. So I don't have any major coverage gripes. Uh, special teams, you know, the punter is terrible at this point. Uh, a couple straight weeks, three weeks of being terrible, in my opinion, has to be better. Such a hot start to the year for Bohorquez to, to to put these performances on tape is disheartening. The best grade was three tackles from Jordan Kunizic in special teams. He gets the highest grade. Schwartz also, with a tackle, gets a really high grade of a 69.8 where he was on kick coverage stuff, or sorry, punt coverage. Uh, he ended up getting a tackle, but really nothing else totally noteworthy in specials. Only four total specials tackles were made, one by Jerome Ford and one by Greedy Williams, other than the three by Jordan Kunizic. Not a ton of opportunity there. I will say Jerome Ford, again, with a really nice kick return. So he's he's you know a decent little kick returner at this point before his role expands. Uh, in in the coming uh, in the coming years, I would imagine of his rookie contract. That's it. We're going to wrap it. I mean, I've explained to you what I think needed to be explained. That the that it's as simple as these guys leaving plays on the field, not making winning plays, drives that are promising ending fluttering out, fourth down stops, or you know, like I said earlier, uh, fumbles. Just they shooting themselves in the foot. They're making difficult parts of the easy parts of the NFL what should be routine difficult far too often so that's your browns football and that's why they're three and seven and the window is so tight uh in terms of their margin for error because they just can't overcome it often enough they don't create takeaways they're not creating some of those things that can counterbalance mistakes that they make and that's why we're here so wrapping up today's pod we'll have some great guests coming up in the coming days that we always do jared Mueller, jordan zerm and then obviously john colosimo too so we'll have uh, everybody to talk to and try to give us some perspective on all of this. I feel like we're saying a lot of the same things and I'm really sorry, but we're in the midst of a terrible stretch of football. So I appreciate your support. Continue to come by. It means everything to me. Check out the website. Check out this pod. I appreciate you guys. Listen, have a great Tuesday and go Browns.